Good morning. On this bowl of question crunch, Twitch streamer Kepler Can't Game is here to answer questions about their life with science, scary moments on video games, and an asteroid that they'd like to land on. <laughs> I am so glad that you that you've agreed to be a guest on my podcast. Uh, we've been friends for uh, many a year. Um, one of my favorite stories that I have with you is when you told me that you haven't seen Fern Gully, and I was like, I have to fix that immediately because I posted I posted on Facebook that I knew someone who hasn't seen Fern Gully, and one of my friends said she's too young for you, bro. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, I had a limited uh, knowledge of like movies and TV growing up, so it's not surprising that I didn't know Ferngully. Sure, but I feel like I don't know. I just remember growing up that that was always a teacher's go-to whenever it's like uh, I don't I, I don't want to teach or <laughs> there's a there's recess but it's raining so let's put something educational and it's weird because it's it's educational-ish. Uh, it's all about, you know, saving the environment and, you know, nature's cool. Um, but I feel like I, I growing up, I feel like, uh, I don't want to say it was my sexual awakening, but, uh, <laughs> I definitely, I definitely feel like, um, Krista and Tim Curry's character were really, uh, my basis of what I thought was sexy. And That's I so blame great. school. <laughs> I feel like I was exposed to Tim Curry on Fern Gully before Tim Curry on Rocky Horror Picture Show. And when I got to Rocky Horror Picture Show, I was like, I was already attracted to this voice. <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, my first instance with Tim Curry, uh, I believe, was the Wild Thorn Thornberries, if I remember correctly. Smashing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, um, as we've become as we've been friends uh you went into you you went to college and i loved hearing about what you were studying particularly when you said that you went to that big ass satellite disc yes disc dish dish uh, disc, the arecibo telescope uh and you told me exactly what kind of sciences that you do study but i have no idea no recollection what they are <laughs> so what sciences did you study um, in college, I studied um, physics, so I did a little bit of theoretical and experimental physics, um, and then my love was actually planetary science. So I studied a lot of asteroids, comets, and meteors, and that's my like true love. What 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 do you what did what did theoretical physics involve? Um, so the theoretical physics is trying to find like new particles out there and trying to understand quantum uh, mechanics, which is an entire field <laughs> of physics, um, getting really into the crazy parts of physics and um, where Einstein and Stephen Hawking are some of the um, really big names. It, it always feels like uh, whenever I hear about theoretical physics, it always feels like you're just making shit up, but with math. Yes, okay. very much so. And if you say you understand quantum physics, you're lying. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, it's, it's interesting because with all the conspiracy theorists out there, um, I will always, 
I'm 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 a big fan of scientists, and so whenever I hear about you know conspiracy theorists be like, oh that scientist is wrong, and so it's like, yeah, but I feel like the science community is just a bunch of people arguing with each other, and I I like it because it always feels like you'll get the truth because if too if too many scientists agree on something, it's like oh I'm we're getting closer, we're getting closer to something I can believe. <laughs> Yeah, there's so much review. Um, a lot of people think that science, especially like the higher science, is just people saying like, I discovered it, it's done. That is not at all how it works. You have to go through peer review. People have to recreate your results. Otherwise, we don't know if they're actually true or something accidental happened. Um, and I remember, so, so you said that you went from theoretical physics to, uh, what was the other physics? Experimental. Experimental. Now, what is that? <laughs> so, uh, theoretical physics is math-based, typically. Mm -hmm. Experimental physics is actually going in, like, um, I did um, experimental physics for several years, where I worked in a lab with crystals. Um, and we were trying to figure out um, whether or not certain crystals were something called ferroelectric. And ferroelectric means that um, if you like bend them or move them, it creates an electric charge or vice versa. If you send an electric charge through it, it will move. Um, so we're trying to figure out what these crystals were so that we can use them um, in real life to kind of help with um, energy. So if you can imagine like a piece of plastic that you shake and it generates energy, that's what they were trying to find is new materials so we can do that and have new forms of energy. Now, I don't want to accuse you of being a hippie, but that sure <laughs> sounded like... <laughs> well, it would be accurate. <laughs> we, we did experiments with crystals. Oh, so all the hippies that charge their crystals in the sun, you not, did that. <laughs> not exactly that. It sounds a lot like it, though. It does. <laughs> I don't want you to give me any kind of validation of ch crystal charging. Right when you were like, oh, we did experiments with crystal. I'm like, damn it. <laughs> so those are very different types of ideas. They're the crystals, like crystal charging, is saying that the sun gives them energies and it gives them special properties. The crystals I'm talking about actually have these properties, where if you send an electric charge through them, they move. Okay, I feel a little better now, because it's like, I thought, <laughs> I thought you were going to say, uh, that those are completely different. Those crystals charge up with the sun. Our crystals, we were just trying to bend them to make energy. It's like, no, that's just... <laughs> No, this is very much scientific fact that I was working with. Okay, good. I feel I feel a little better because uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I remember when you were mentioning that you went to that satellite from Goldeneye, <laughs> and yes. I'm, I'm that's all I'm going to refer to as. I know that's fine. I know other movies have used it as well, and I know it has an actual name, but it's the Goldeneye. It's the Goldeneye one um, <laughs> that you know what Boromir got thrown on. <laughs> yes. Um, uh, and I remember you were telling me that one of the cool things that you did was uh, throw, you threw lasers. Now you shoot lasers. You, I'm, I'm, now I'm going to put it in dumb terms, just the way <laughs> I put it in my head, because I know that you have a lot of, and I, I'm looking forward to hearing you describe it, but as <laughs> I describe it, you shot lasers at rocks in space and math came back at you and you translated that math into uh, actual facts about the rock. Correct? Yes. 
Yeah. Okay. Now, d- could you describe that in uh, better terms? In yeah, terms? I can. So the Arecibo um, Space Telescope was a radio telescope, which meant it was using radio waves um, instead of like um, visible light rays, um, infrared, UV, microwaves. Um, we're mostly working with radio, which is why this uh, telescope is so large, uh, because the waves are gigantic. So we would send um, waves up, it would hit the asteroid um, and reflect back. And when it reflected back, um, we would get the data on that based on like uh, what angle it's at, um, different things like that. It'll send us information about um, what it looks like. And we could make a 3D model based off of that uh, radio wave. Um, so that's what I did. I took a lot of those radio wave samples that we had, put them together, and helped create a 3D model for it. Why would we want to know that? That's a great, great question. So we want to know what um, asteroids are out there because um, we might have an asteroid hit the Earth again. So this is one of the ways that we can check and see, like, uh, check its orbit. Like, is it going to crash into Earth or is it just going to come next to Earth? And um, we can also figure out what they're made of um, using these um, waves as well and other waves that we get from them. So we can figure out, um, people want to go and mine asteroids for resources because we're uh, kind of depleting the stuff we have here. <laughs> Um, people were thinking about living on asteroids one day. We're thinking like far out, so we need as much information as we can. What is the asteroid made of? Can you actually land on it? Because some asteroids are just like a bunch of sand held together by gravity. And um, so if you try to land on it, you're pretty much going to push that away and it might break apart. So we're trying to get a bunch of information about that to keep Earth safe and to see what we can do in the future. Um, now, because Earth is flat, uh, are the <laughs> asteroids also flat? <laughs> Yeah, they're just little paper cutouts that fly around space. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> um, did you watch uh, Behind the Curve? No, I have not. That's the, that's the uh, Flat Earth documentary on Netflix, and uh, I don't I don't know if you should watch it or not because uh, I remember when I first heard about the Flat Earth types, uh, it really frustrated me how dumb that can be. Um, but then I watched a documentary and I got hooked on not not the concept because it's dumb. Um, I got hooked on watching crazy people on YouTube. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> yeah, it's bad. And I think I mentioned it in every podcast how much I love crazy people on YouTube. <laughs> uh, I've watched a couple YouTube videos about flat earthers and how some of them accidentally prove themselves wrong <laughs> and oh, prove that the Earth is round. It's great. It, it's it's fantastic because they still refuse to believe what information they proved. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I I have a friend who I want to uh, get on the podcast who he's a skydiver and uh, he's a pilot and he does a lot of skydiving videos and I'm like this is cool I I'm okay about watching videos on the safety of my couch it's cool it's it's fun but then you see the curvature of the Earth and I'm like. How ridiculous, because, uh, okay, as a scientist and <laughs> as someone who has, you know, shot lasers in space, how insane is it? Like, I feel like a lot of people don't get exposed to seeing the, like, how big the universe is, how big the planet is. Mm-hmm. And I feel like 
being exposed to that really does change your mind about because like a lot of people are stuck in their own little world. And so when you actually get to see how big stuff is, I think that that change that could change that changes your perspective that gives you a, a grander scope. Um, how do you propose to do that to more people? How do I? Yeah. Or oh. how do you how do we how do we as a culture try to be like, here, look, the the view is wider. Um, I think part of it is bringing curiosity um, and love for learning back to school uh, because a lot of kids don't care about learning because there's so much trauma behind it. Um, so like for me personally, since I'm a science teacher, um, I try to find videos, I try to find um, like stunts that have been done before that really show students like how awesome the world is how awesome science is so that they would have the interest in going out and really seeing like how big is the universe being curious about that um, one of my favorite videos i show them um is i have two actually is a video of um, a stunt done by luke atkins uh, he did the highest skydive without a parachute which is absolutely amazing uh, yeah he fell into a giant net held up by cranes Really cool video if you ever get the chance to see it. Um, and then the other one is skydiving above the atmosphere. So a space dive, essentially. Um, and seeing how your uh, velocity changes, your speed changes as you fall through no air and then gaining air, you actually slow down. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to give people more of these really cool experiences so they can go out and see like, man, this is neat. I want to know more about this. Holy shit. I'm going to watch these videos. That's nuts. It is so cool. Like, uh, <laughs> I I love watching my friends skydiving videos just because uh, um, it gives me the kind of feeling, the, the weird kind of feeling in your stomach when you see, like, the height <laughs> and you see just, you, you know about that feeling of free fall. Um, and outside of atmosphere free fall, that sounds yeah. terrifying. <laughs> it, it. I highly suggest you go and watch it. <laughs> um, because like every science, every movie I've ever seen of coming into the atmosphere, you heat up. Yes. Um, he had to wear happen? a special suit. Uh, oh he didn't God. go like free. Like he was in a space suit essentially to help with, uh, to help with reentry into the atmosphere. Uh, yeah, because every every uh, <laughs> every movie I've ever seen, people burn up. That's a big thing. Yep. And so, <laughs> <laughs> so you really have to be careful if you decide to skydive from space. Oh my god. <laughs> um, so you're a science teacher. Uh, what inspired you to become a teacher? Um, my physics class, my senior year of high school. Um, I took AP physics, which was a college level physics class in high school, um, and I wanted to quit within the first two weeks because it was hard. I really, I asked my mom, like, I want to quit. It's too hard. And then she asked me, like, did you ask for help ever? And I'm like, no, <laughs> why would I do that? Who, uh, who asked for help? Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I spent every morning, lunch and afternoon with that teacher working to make sure I understood it until the point where I could teach other students. And I really enjoyed it. It was a challenge for me. And I was like, you know, I'm actually really good at this teaching thing, like breaking it down for people. I think I'd be really good at it. Um, so that kind of inspired me to be a teacher, that teacher and the fact that like I could help others and I was pretty good at it. Um, 
when you were being taught it in school, did you help? Did you go to other students and like try to break it down for them? Is that how uh, yeah. you figured out? I did. Um, for after school tutoring, I would stay after and do my homework just in case I had trouble. And then when other students would come in, instead of like having them go to the teacher, they'd typically ask me and um, be like, hey, how do you do this? And then I'd break it down with them. I'd work through it step by step with them. Um, and it gave me a lot of joy seeing someone like have it click. That's pretty awesome. I love that completely. Um, so while you were studying, uh, while, while you were doing uh, theoretical physics and experimental physics, um, what sort of uh, ridiculously sci-fi accident could have happened while you're working that could have made you into a supervillain? All right. That is a great question. <laughs> um, I got into lots of hijinks in college studying physics, uh, but one of my favorite ways that could have turned me into a supervillain is seeing the amount of energy coming out of that giant space telescope. So when people see the giant Arecibo space telescope, or telescope, um, they typically just look at the dish below, but yep. that's only part of it. The other part is the Gregor Gregorian dome, which is above it, um, and that's where you actually send out the waves down. They hit the dish and then reflect back up, and that's how you receive them. All the waves come back, hit the dish, and then go back up into that dome. So we actually got to go into the dome, which was amazing. My fear of heights was definitely up <laughs> and crazy that day. But um, just being in there and seeing all of the machines and seeing all the energy in there, it was really cool. And I could have totally turned into a supervillain just being like, that's my lair. <laughs> Try to get me. <laughs> the energy dome. Uh, I think, uh, what was that? I think Krang had a, t uh, he, he had a dome. I'm trying to remember what his name was, what, what the name of his dome, not X dome. Shit. I'll look it up. Okay. I know that there's going to be Ninja Turtle fans that are yelling at me. I know what the name of the lair is. Um, <laughs> I think it was like no i can't remember oh well um what would be the accident would you get energy powers or uh I, I think so i think i'd accidentally like walk into the stream of uh <laughs> of radio waves yeah and if i wasn't completely fried to death um then i'd come back with these like superpowers of like radio waves gotcha i was just wondering if you're going to shoot rays at superpower superheroes and it would hit them, and it would come back to you, and you'd find out how they were formed molecularly so you can copy their power. <laughs> that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not against it. Sure, sure. <laughs> or, or you're going to you know, get your power from crystals, like ben, ben, bending crystals together. <laughs> I'll just be like Iron Man, except I'll have a suit full of crystals, and every time I move, it generates energy. Sure. <laughs> I, I can dig it. Um... One of my favorite things about uh, uh, oftentimes when you p make posts about being a teacher, you would always show like your little trivia question that you would have at the end of your tests. And one of my favorite things was seeing uh, your students respond. And one of my favorite responses was, what does this matter? <laughs> and your response was, nothing. That's why it's extra credit. That's <laughs> <why>. <laughs> yeah. That was my favorite response. I don't know which one's my favorite. I don't know what my favorite part about that is. I don't know if it's your student or your response to it. I'm not sure. Oh, my God. <laughs> Responding to students like that just makes my day. I had those <laughs> questions at the end for me, not for them. I need a laugh after grading so many of those tests. Absolutely. Um, what was your favorite trivia question you asked? Oh. Or at least one of your favorites. I'm not saying, like, 
<laughs> I so bet you, there's I bet there's a lot. Are you talking about the end of test questions specifically? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Uh, feel <laughs> free to tell me whatever you want. <laughs> um. So at the end of a test, um, one of my actually a quiz. One of my favorite things to do is um ask them to tell me a joke. And the funnier the joke, the more points they get. But they don't have access to the internet. It's just a joke that they have to remember off the top of their head. Or tell me something funny. Or draw me a funny picture. And they get hysterical. Um, I have a video of me um, sliding down the back of my backyard hill and hitting a car. Um, and I showed that to the students the same day they took a quiz. And then this kid drew me like hitting a car. And it was hysterical. Um, other times they just they do inside jokes. Um, it's great. It's one of my favorite things because at the end they get a smile, I get a smile, and I get a break from grading. <laughs> and how old are these kids? Uh, these kids are between 15 and 18. Okay, so they're, they're you know <laughs> as you get closer to 18, apparently you know they're adults or something. But <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's cool. Uh, I I. I Teenagers are cool, um, you know, despite <laughs> despite the rumors of them not being cool. Um, so I, I, I think that those answers could be a lot of fun. That's fun. Um, when you get to the inside jokes, are they a lot about, like, pop culture that they intake? And um, It's typically me teasing them about something. Okay. <laughs> um, they'll draw something ridiculous in class uh, for fun. And then they'll show me and then I'll make a joke of it. And then they just keep drawing it everywhere because they know it makes me happy. And it, it makes like a joke between us and they feel connected. Um, so that's what I really enjoy doing. Like these kids, this age, juniors is perfect because they're all, they just want to be treated like adults and they have great senses of humor. So it's really easy for me to like be around them and treat them like people. <laughs> That's good to hear. Um, just because, like, whenever I've done like free drawings around kids, um, it's it's interesting how pop culture changes. And I remember I was uh, when when I'll be doing drawings and they'll request like not so much characters, but they'll request like YouTubers or Twitch streamers. And I'm just like, Ooh. I I don't know who these people are, but I will Google their name and see if I. And it's interesting because if you get a character, if someone requests like I don't know Bugs Bunny. I can find an image of Bugs Bunny and be able to go for, straight from there. Um, with YouTubers, I don't know their 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 look. I don't know if there's like a facial expression that they own. And so I'll look through all the photos I can find on Google and be like, is this the person? Is And they'll be like, oh, can you get a drawing of them with their mug? I'm like, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> what mug? <laughs> <sighs> So teenagers are weird. Uh, this, this is a weird world we live in where um, everyone has, I, well, you know, when you go with YouTubers, you'll have to find a unique look versus Bugs Bunny where I can easily Google any image of him and be able to find his smile. And there we go. I've never thought about that kind of struggle as like an artist. Um, and I don't envy, envy you for it because it sounds really hard. <laughs> Uh, it's it's all right. My favorite my favorite example is uh, when Hamilton was first starting, and I think I might have mentioned this on a recent podcast. We'll see. Um, <laughs> where someone asked me, um, they're like, "Can you draw Hamilton?" And I was like, "You mean the the present?" And they're like, "Yeah, yeah, the present Hamilton from the play." And I'm like, "All right." And so I googled Hamilton, 
and I drew Hamilton, the president, and they're like, oh, we met the Broadway play. I was like, all right, what? (laughs) (laughs) And I I didn't know what the fuck they were talking about. I did not know that there was... (laughs) You know, I do have those feelings sometimes when they use uh, words I'm not used to, like the slang that's popular at the time. And I'm like, are they being mean to me? Or are they trying to be funny? I have no idea. <laughs> like, but typically I can just ask them. Have you ever tried to use the slang? Yes. <laughs> really? <laughs> Not often. Okay. Because I, I'm still fairly young for a yeah. teacher. And I don't want to be seen as like one of the kids. I still want to hold my authority. Okay. Uh, but sometimes I do. And it makes them groan. I uh, I always feel really dumb using any slang I'm not too familiar with or any new slang. Whenever it comes out, I'm just like, what the hell does that mean? I'll look it up and I'm like, no, I can't use it. It just sounds <laughs> dumb. Yes, yeah, sometimes I feel dumb. Uh, but as it's I... Not, it's, it's, it's not saying that the slang is dumb. Uh, slang, you know, slang is cool. Uh, I, I, I will never judge anyone for using slang or uh, like fleet. If anyone uses it in real language, I'm like, yeah, go for it. I don't care. I just can't say it because it makes me <laughs> – it yeah. just sounds weird coming from me. <laughs> I understand. Um, so, uh, so you're a teacher, um, yeah. and we all know that the pandemic closed down schools. Um, how has your career been impacted by COVID? Um, this is not what I signed up for. <laughs> uh, Are you sure? <laughs> I am sure. Um, staring at a screen, having no one talk back to me, um, is real tough. <laughs> I am used to interacting with my students all the time. We have jokes. We have fun together when we're in the class. But it's really hard to do that when everyone is too scared to turn on their cameras. So it's made teaching a very lonely profession this year, um, which is really sad to say. I'm excited to go back when it's safe because I love the students. That's what I don't teach because I like teaching. I teach because I love the students. So being isolated, not being able to talk to them, understand them, like learn who they are is really tough for me. Um, And like if this was a long term thing, I would quit teaching and find a different job. I don't think I could do it. Uh, one of my teacher friends uh, said that uh, they're like, you know, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't get into uh, video editing. I didn't get into. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, like, making I, the making the on. jump from pandemic teacher to Twitch streaming was really easy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, so you don't, so you have a lot of students that don't turn on the camera. That would be. Like, yeah. is there at least, like, one or two that interact at all? Um, they'll text, they'll send a chat, um, but I don't force them to have their cameras on. You never know what the situation at home is like. Yeah. And I would never want to make a kid feel, like, shamed about anything. So I don't require the camera on because of that. I don't even like having my camera on in meetings. Um, 
but I do miss like the faces. So they interact in chat. Like I try to make it fun. I try to bring up things that they enjoy. I try to connect with them. Um, but sometimes they don't want to connect. They just want to get through the period. And sometimes I just want to get through the period. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. Fa face, FaceTimes and FaceTime, Zoom, Instagram. Every, every chance I get to have a face-to-face -face conversation, I will jump on it just because um, like you, you've heard the crazy conspiracy theory that, that we're in a simulation. Yes. Um, I feel like without the face-to-face -face interaction, um, I could totally understand the, the idea of being stuck in a simulation. <laughs> yes, it has been rough. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like uh, um, I, I've seen people post that, you know, huggers are going to hug every person that they meet once we can safely. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fucking going to make eye contact with me. It's like, that's consent to hug. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot wait. I miss hugging my friends so much. I I feel like I, I don't like the free hug sign folks at conventions, but now I'm not too sure I'll be able to ignore them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not one to hug people I don't know. Yeah. Like I know you, you know you're getting a hug. Oh, yeah. No, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're totally going to happen. If, if we get into contact, if we get in the proximity of a hug, it's going to happen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um. I, it's weird because I have a list of like all the people I plan on hugging and just after that, then it's all the places I plan to visit. But first it's hugs. <laughs> That's so sweet. <laughs> um, so, uh, you're, 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 you bought a bus and you're <laughs> renovating. Is that the term renovating? Yeah. We're converting the bus into an RV. Okay. Uh, and I dig that completely. It's it's weird because I never really wanted to do that ever. That's never been on my list. Uh, but seeing you do it, I'm just like, this is cool. I could see me doing this. So I like living vicariously through your uh, posts. Um, oh, good. I'm glad you do. It's a lot of work. <laughs> it, it seems like it. <laughs> which which I'm glad I don't get to see the boring shit. Uh, I get to... <laughs> You get to see me take one nail out of the millions. Yes. And I am all for watching that. Um, <laughs> so you're going to be a teacher that owns a bus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm so excited. I'm going to bring that to school one day for sure. <laughs> um, and that always makes me think of the magic school bus. Um, if you had a magic school bus, what field trip would you plan? Oh, I'd for sure want to take them to an asteroid probably yeah. the asteroid that i studied um because it is shaped like a dog bone it's really cool um yeah uh it's called cleopatra with a k uh, oh, okay and it is shaped like a dog bone it's really neat uh, there's lots of different ideas about how it formed but i would want to go there because it's about the size of what was it new york city something like that it's giant it's a gigantic asteroid um, so i'd love to take them there to go walk around see how the um, gravity is different um, see what it's made of and see that there's going to be no other asteroids you can see because they're actually really far apart so like all the asteroid fields you see in um, science fiction are completely false you're not going to like get into an asteroid field and get pelted with asteroids there's going to be like one here one miles and miles and miles away <laughs> 
how how dare you tell me the truth about that? <laughs> You're welcome. Enjoy thinking about that every time. Ah, <laughs> oh, damn it. <laughs> um, you said that there's a lot of theories about how it got created. Uh, what are some of them, or at least one of them? I don't know. Like, um, one of get the nerdy. Ones I remember. Uh, I don't remember the other ones. Um, is uh, it was molten rock when it was forming. And while it was cooling, they think that a different asteroid hit it. So it started to like stretch out. Like if you take a marshmallow and like stretch it out and it's like gooey, you'd get like two parts on each side, and, like a middle part. They're thinking that happened where um, it got hit when it was cooling. It kind of stretched out and then it finished cooling. And so it has this weird like dog bone shape. Does it look more like a dog bone or a dumbbell? Because I'm thinking of like the two massive parts and then the, the uh, more like part in the a dog bone. Okay. Ooh, I'm looking forward to checking this out now. <laughs> now, does it does it have like the, the the weird humps at the end of a dog cartoon dog bone? It does have one hump on one side. I That's don't ask cool. me how that is made because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, what is it made of? If you're gonna t- tell your kids, uh, if you're gonna tell your students what it's made of. Um, that is going to be more of a hard rock instead of like a sandy asteroid. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the composition. It's been a very long time. <laughs> it's your favorite asteroid, though. <laughs> you know, it's been seven years since I studied it, so I think I'm going to be okay if I forgot that. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. I guess. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, and you said it's not – so it's a hard rock one. It's a, it's not a sandy one. Uh, so I feel like the sandy asteroid – are there a lot of sandy asteroids that are just a bunch of sand hanging out together? Um, according to the uh, professor that I was working under, who is the expert on meteorites in the world, uh, guess <laughs> that um, a lot of the smaller ones could be like a bunch of particles just held together instead of one solid mass. So that's why you have to be careful if you want to go mine an asteroid because your mining equipment just could go through it. So one of my one of my favorite videos that I think really demonstrates the idea that we all have gravity very well for me is seeing people in space uh, handle water. Yes. Uh, seeing seeing the water just stick on the hand and being stuck there. Mm-hmm. I think. I think that that was the best way to understand the concept that we all have gravity, that gravity is just everything hanging out together. And so the idea of all the sand just being like, hey, we all got, got gravity. Let's just let's just let's all be. Yeah, let's stick together. <laughs> and just the idea where you said that uh, if you land on it, all it, all it, that it will do is just spread the sand <laughs> away from each other. Yeah, that could happen. So that is like. It's crazy to me. Um, the sand probably wouldn't like stick to you like you were describing because um, with water, you have surface tension, yeah. uh, which is a force between the molecules that are kind of holding them together. Um, sand doesn't have that surface tension. So uh, if you hit it, it would just kind of like start moving in every direction for the rest of ever. I would like to think it makes that Disney sound. The, the... <laughs> yes, <laughs> I would love that. If there was sound in space, I would hope it sounded like that. Uh, again, again, that's, uh, that's a, (laughs) don't, don't, don't attack my science fiction (laughs) with saying that there's no explosions in space. (laughs) There can be explosions. You just won't hear them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I want the sound. I don't I'm like... sorry. Um, I, I've seen some movies. I think Star Trek did. I think Star Trek did where uh, the moment the explosion, the moment that the POV goes into space, you can't hear the explosions happening. Um, I do not like that. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's uh, I think it's getting rid of the job of the foley the foley artist, and I don't appreciate. <laughs> when I turn off my science brain, I thoroughly enjoy the sounds. Uh huh. And I just pretend there's some sort of like ether out there that allows sound to happen. Now, at Comic Con, I met someone who their whole job was to come to movies and TV to uh, to add math on chalkboards. Just so, because like if they go to a teacher's office, they had to add math on chalkboards because they don't want the science nerds to look at the chalkboard and be like, "Haha, that's bullshit." That's uh, something I would do. <laughs> Yeah, right? And I met them, and that's their whole job, to make their bullshit less bullshit. Um, how hard is it to turn off the science brain? Um, it's really hard. <laughs> yeah? Because I'm an analytical person. I always analyze everything. Um, but it doesn't take the fun out of it for me, I guess. Okay. So, like, I enjoy analyzing it and being like, you know, that wouldn't happen that way. It would happen this way instead. Um, so like, it's hard to turn off, but I don't mind it. It makes me enjoy it even more to a point. Okay. No. Cause that, then that becomes a game, right? Yes. Okay. Um, my husband and I actually both studied physics. Um, so when we watch movies together like that, um, we get into conversations about how would it actually happen? And then we actually start calculating things like, um, uh, through the movies. If you've seen the 2012 dread movie, um, and you've seen the very end where she falls down, um, well, is thrown down. Um, we've actually calculated how fast she was going. And like, since she took the slow-mo drug, um, how long would it feel like to her as she falls compared to how long it actually takes? So like, it's a lot more fun for us. So could you explain that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so the 2012 Dread movie, um, the uh, bad guy of it is a drug lord named Mama. Um, and Dread at the very end of the movie um, has her take her slow-mo drug. The slow-mo drug makes you feel like everything is going... Oh, I... Spoiler alert. <laughs> ten times. <laughs> I was trying to get it. I think ten times slower. Um, yeah, I'm sorry about the spoiler. Uh, no, it's it's 2012. <laughs> come on. Okay. <laughs> that's, that's been a few years. Just... years. <laughs> um, so uh, she takes the slow-mo drug right before she falls, and then Dread throws her off of the balcony, so she falls all the way down the tower. Um, so based off of our um, estimates of how tall the tower is um, and what the gravity is on that, um, that planet, whatever she is, um, we calculated that I think it took. She's on Earth. It is Earth. Okay. Yeah, so that it's, means it's Earth. I know exactly a... what the gravity is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think I calculated it's like 12 to 24 seconds for her to fall all the way to the ground, but it would be 240 seconds. No. My husband's trying to do math in the background. Don't mind. <laughs> I think it's like 240 seconds for her in her head for how long she's falling. So that's like four minutes. Mm -hmm. 
So in reality, she's falling like 24 seconds, but it feels like her it's four minutes of falling to her inevitable death. <laughs> so that's what we do for fun during movies. <laughs> and I'm, I'm perfectly fine with, I, I, I did that completely. Um, I, I feel like that's a way better way to say, oh, that's incorrect, or bring in facts to the movies, because I feel like uh, too many people, too many people go online, and the, the, the whole toxic interaction thing, where it's like, oh, I need to harass this, or I need to be correct, it's like, but you could do that personally, you could do that off the internet, you could just do that individually, and you can spark conversations, and yeah. um, I, I like the idea of you guys taking fiction, <laughs> and talking about how science can intermingle with fiction to be able to make the whole interaction with the movies so much better. Yeah, I actually bring that into my classroom. Uh, when we learned that equation that I was using, um, we take a day and we work through it together. So they, they don't watch the movie because it's rated R um, or the clip because it's not great. But um, I explain it to them and then they actually work through it with me so they can kind of see like, oh, I can use this physics stuff in my pop culture and like it's not like scary it's fun at least it can be yeah it's fun to me for sure sure, sure. <laughs> uh I, I i can honestly tell you that when i was watching dread i never thought about math <laughs> i don't blame you not many people do that's that's never that's never a thing i think about i never okay um i this is the first time i think on the podcast i've talked about this uh have you heard of the movie animal world animal world no yeah. i don't think so oh my god okay so uh <laughs> i talked about the clown charity on my podcast before um we uh we me and my friends stumbled upon a uh um a movie a trailer that was a clown that that the trailer looked like it was going to be sucker punch but with a clown so it was a clown with a sword it was a clown like samurai type situation uh-huh um, and I, uh, for the charity, I was like, if you raise as much money, I will watch this movie because it looks like it's going to be terrifying because it's a clown with a sword. Um, yeah. nope. All the clown scene was in the trailer because the rest of the movie was all about probability. What? Yeah. It was a, it was the most Rick roll of a trailer I've ever experienced. Um, the rest of the movie was all about them playing a game of uh, rock, paper, scissors. And the rock, paper, scissors was just cards. It was just, it was not actually doing this. It was three definite cards with uh, exact numbers of the cards. And all the person was doing was going through their head with the math and figuring out how many cards were left oh. and what were the chances of them being able to beat the system. Um, and I was, and every few minutes, they would sh visually show uh, how many cards there are left, and the person, the character, would do the math in their head. And I'm just like, fuck this. This I never wanted to watch a movie. I never wanted more clown in a movie before. <laughs> well, that is saying something for you. <laughs> I, I don't want to watch a movie about probability. But you know, you I don't either. <laughs> you, probability you don't? is not. I actually do not like probability. I oh, never... Okay really did okay. uh, I appreciate the recommendation I have someone who would enjoy that though so I'll definitely wanna, tell him yeah you might want to recommend Animal World because uh, I do have a there There was a nerd watching with us and he thoroughly enjoyed that part and I was just like how 
might enjoy it. I do know some probability. It's just not my favorite. Give me like calculus. <laughs> okay, you you actually might check you you might enjoy it. I don't know. Uh because it was it was pretty exciting uh when I finally got to the exciting parts and the character the character moments were pretty cool. Um my biggest complaint was just the misuse of a lot of elements of the movie because there was a tiger and all the tiger was there was for for prop like they didn't do anything with the tiger that is strange it was bizarre it was really weird i would not enjoy that like going in with one idea and <laughs> yeah. no throughout, throughout the movie they just had they kept on showing you different elements and they're like uh psych we're not going to use it at all because they were like uh um they're like oh down below there's labs where people are expense experimenting on people and we fucking never saw it it never happened. That just sounds like not great writing. Yeah, it was <laughs> like it why was introduce weird. an element not to deliver on it? Correct. And uh, at the end of the movie, spoiler alert! At the end of the movie, the character's like, uh, you know, everyone calls me a clown, so I'm gonna be a clown, and we're just like, nope, no one called you a clown. It never happened. Uh, <laughs> that was all in your head. It's bullshit. <laughs> You're really selling this movie. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, I'm really frustrated by it. I think that a lot of people who really love probability might enjoy the hell out of it. Uh, I didn't. <laughs> uh, there was no, there was very little clown and uh, so frustrating. I never thought I'd want more clown in a movie. That's so nonsense. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, what other movies have you had that kind of experience of dread? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I don't. I can't think of any off the top of my head because I just kind of do it in my head typically. Yeah, that makes sense. That movie was just one specifically where we decided to like calculate it while watching. Gotcha. Uh, but but you know, there's there's a lot of uh, a lot of science movies. I would assume that you you know. When you watch, when you, you've been on the original Star Tours, right? Yes. All right, because they have the whole comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Did you watch yeah. that and you're like, no, bullshit. <laughs> no, not then. Um, I do call bullshit on a lot of things, though. Um, mostly sound and space, because that one's super easy. <laughs> <laughs> um. I feel like a lot of people, when they saw uh, Rogue One, and there's that scene where Darth Vader watches the ship fly away, and his cape is billowing in the wind. <laughs> <laughs> the wind of space. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That makes me so frustrated. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I I don't get frustrated. I... <laughs> it's weird because I'm not a science nerd, but every time I see his cape billowing, I'm like, with what? You know, I hope it's him using the force to make it billow. That would make force me wind? so happy. Yeah. I, I know if I had the force, I would do it all the time. Why not make yourself look extra cool by making it, like, do that in space? Yeah, right? Well, because, like, you've seen uh, um, Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. And they have that scene with Noir Spider-Man where his 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 coat's billowing, and they're like, "Where's the wind coming from?" That's what I would do if I had the force. Everything would be windy. Yes, I love it. <laughs> and why not just make yourself look cooler all the time? 
right? Uh, but do, do you have any other example of that? Because that's the one that bothers me. Is that one? Oh, let's see. Um, typical cartoons like Looney Tunes, where they step off the cliff and gravity doesn't work until they look down. Uh, um, no, that's scientific. That's scientific fact. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I don't want to throw around my science knowledge at you, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, you can't fall if you don't look down. And uh, it's it's also you have to have a sign that says yipe. Uh, <laughs> You're right. My bad. I didn't take that class. In That's in OK. That's OK. It's uh, the same thing with uh, with Trump Loy. Uh, if someone paints a tunnel, uh, <laughs> your your antagonist, your enemy can go through the tunnel, but you can't because you know that it's it's a paint. It's a painting. Uh, that's that's artist fact. <laughs> I've never thought of that one. That's really neat. <laughs> um, I do enjoy watching like car crashes and analyzing them. Yeah. Uh, so like Fast and Furious, things like that, where they do ridiculous moves. And I'm like, there's so many wires on that car. They did not have enough energy. I know what exactly what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, can you often tell if something has been done with a miniature by how it moves if i sat and like was thinking about that prior then um i probably could figure it out based off of how it like um hits the ground what kind of impact it makes things like that so i could analyze it and figure it out but typically that's not something i'm looking for that's totally understandable well because the reason why i ask is because uh the two movies that come to mind whenever I think about miniatures uh, are the is is the first Die Hard and Batman be not Batman Begins uh, the Dark Knight yeah Dark Knight um, and what I love about those two films is whenever I think about miniatures I always think really tiny miniatures but those are no. gigantic models that explode and they have really cool um, like uh, the one I'm thinking of with Dark Knight is the Batmobile or the Tumbler going underneath the garbage truck or the, the truck inside the tunnel and it goes up in the air and that was all done with a miniature and oh. i would never fucking know i will have to go and look at that again and see if i can pick it out yes absolutely. i would love to it's much easier picking out miniatures when they're tiny <laughs> yeah but when they're like half to a quarter size it's a little more difficult <laughs> right and that's that's I, I think that that's what really confuses my brain when I see it happen. And I'm just like, oh, those aren't tiny. Those are g pretty gigantic miniatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and I feel like because it's so big, that's where you get like the very realistic movement from the vehicles. Yes. It makes more sense for the scale. Yeah. Like dropping a toy car, you're not going to get the same like the same like spring action anything like that but dropping a like 20 pound car you're gonna get some better effects yeah yeah no, that makes sense um so uh when this episode airs it will be uh pigs in the blanket day i did not know that there was a national pigs in the blanket day um no. <laughs> i i love looking up uh different nash different random holidays uh it's just a whole lot of fun i don't know there's something that i really enjoy about that um and that makes me think of pigs uh and um 
so you remember <laughs> we we already talked about Animal World, but we're going to talk about Animal Farm. Uh, All right. With the pigs being becoming communist dictators. Um, <laughs> which which fictional pig would you would most likely become a dictator? Uh, Porky, Piglet, or Wilbur from Charlotte's uh, Charlotte's Web? You know, my first instinct is to go to Porky. Yeah. But I'd like to throw another person into, or another pig into this ring. Bring it on. I think Miss Piggy would be the dictator oh, out of all the I, pigs. I, I I did not put that on. I did not put her on the list because that is absolutely correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad we agree on this. Yeah, when I got to, I got to Porky Piglet and I was like, all right, I need another fictional pig. And so I looked it up and Miss Piggy showed up. I was like, fuck no. <laughs> <laughs> that's too easy. <laughs> too easy. That's that's that would be no. At a Porky, uh, I'm I'm going to, I, I I can't let you put her on the list because that's too obvious. Uh, Porky <laughs> Piglet. So you already said Porky. Okay, good. I'm feeling good about Porky. Okay. <laughs> that makes sense. Miss Piggy? No, that's, that's absurd. <laughs> yeah, that's the absurd part. <laughs> That would be too absurd. I'm sorry. Miss Piggy, like, I feel like any amount of power you give her, that's why That's why Kermit had to be the in charge, because if, Pig, if Miss Piggy was in charge, yeah, she would be a dictator. That's, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, and what really upset me was when I went on Google to find fictional pigs, I couldn't find Wilbur. And I was like, I was going down the list of pigs, and he didn't show up. And I was like, no, what the fuck is his name? And so I Googled Charlotte's Web. I was like, yeah, Wilbur, that's his name. He was not on the list of fictional pigs. Uh, the pig from Black Cauldron showed up before Wilbur. What? Yeah. That's, wait, what about like, oh, that's, I was thinking of Ham, Hammy. Yeah, Ham from Toy up. Story. Yeah, Ham did show up. And I also didn't put him on the list because that would be an obvious answer too. It, it would. And he's technically a piggy bank. Yeah. <laughs> He he owns he owns the capitalism of the country. That's come on. <laughs> yeah. Too easy. Way too easy. Um. So you said you had mentioned that you are on Twitch. Yes. Uh. Do you want followers? I would love followers. I love having people come and stop by. Uh. What would be your Twitch? What's what's your social media for your Twitch? Or do you have social media for your Twitch or just a Twitch channel? I do. Um, I'm on TikTok, um, Instagram, and Twitch um, at Kepler Can't Game. Um, Kepler being the 16th century astronomer, of course. Nerd. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very much. <laughs> but yeah, that's me. I'm Kepler Can't Game, and I play a variety of different games on Twitch. And I'm currently doing a Resident Evil 7 playthrough every Thursday at 7:30 p.m. Pacific. Now, why Resident Evil 7? Um, because my husband thought it would be funny to watch me get the shit scared out of me. Naturally. And I have screamed many times <laughs> at this point. Now, because uh, I've, I've played, not played, I'm not a gamer. Um, I watched a friend play, shit, what the hell is that game? Biohazard? Yeah, Resident Evil Seven Biohazard. That's the no, one. No, 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 not Resident Evil. Not Resident oh, Evil. Okay. The one, the one, the one with the big brother or big daddy. Or oh, whatever. Bioshock. Bioshock. Thank you. I apologize to all my gamer nerds that are like, no, it's called Bioshock. Damn it. Um, <laughs> but I watched him play it with surround sound, and we actually heard one of the monsters on the ceiling, and we heard the audio, and I was like, fuck this. Um, oh yeah. 
so do you get that with your earphones or do you listen to it surround sound? No, I have to use my earphones. Um, but my chat likes to play sounds on stream. Yeah. Um, and scare me. So Fine. typically the game will get me like a quarter of the time and my chat gets me 75% of the time. <laughs> I have to, st so those videos are on your Twitch to be able to be watched whenever? Yeah, they are. Okay, then I'm going to check this out because I, I can't be there for 7 o'clock, but I can be there whenever I can. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Thank you. Um, what's, this, what's the scariest jump do you remember from Resident Evil 7? Um, from the game? Yeah. Mm, I think it was kind of spoilery when my wife popped out of uh, the popped out of the basement and tried to attack me. Oh, and you just, um, when when was this so I can find that video? Uh, that will be the first playthrough part one, which was two weeks ago. Excellent. I am going to check that out. Um, I feel like the only time that I remember being legitimately scared from a video game was a uh, Fatal Frame. Um, have you played Fatal Frame? I have not. Ah, uh, that's a that's a weird game because the POV changes on you to make you feel like you're in a horror film. Great. Love so, that. So. Like, you'll be walking down a hall, and then the camera will change, and then you have to now walk this way. And it's pretty good because, like, they'll, the camera will change, and you'll see a ghost walk past the camera, but you did not get a good look at it because oh. the camera changed. And it's really – that was scary. I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> but that was many, many years ago, so I wonder if the effects – still live up because i haven't looked at it in many many years shit <laughs> <laughs> don't worry <laughs> um i i hope it got you know changed or updated because otherwise it might suck <laughs> if it's a good game they probably redid it i sure hope so um what would you so usually at the end of my podcast because uh, we're we're running out of time uh, usually at the end of my podcast I ask uh, what would your advice be to an aspiring blah 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 um, with you I'm not entirely certain if I want to go for aspiring teacher aspiring scientist or aspiring gamer because you're very thorough with all or aspiring bus owner I guess <laughs> um, I guess I'm gonna go with aspiring teacher but i feel like uh i feel like i'm gonna let you decide which which adjective or which title you want to go with i'm gonna go with teacher that's the one i have okay. the most experience with sure <laughs> what what words of wisdom would you give to an aspiring teacher um the kids are what matters the most um and if you create relationships with the students that you are teaching if you treat them like humans like adults um, if you show them respect, then you'll never have trouble. You're not never. You're going to have much less trouble teaching because students really just want to be treated as an equal. And if you can do that, you can show them you care. It's going to be great. Um, so go in loving your, um, loving your subject, loving teaching, but know that you're really there to help students grow. It's not about your content. It's about them. Oh, my God.